let me just say that for all who are here today, for all who are listening online today, that you are not listening to this message by accident. God has placed you specifically here in this time, in this place, to hear this word. So God is speaking directly to you today. So it's not just another service. Don't ever take any service for granted. But that God's trying to speak something specifically to each and every one of us. Today we wrap up our series that we've been talking over the last two weeks called The Spirit-Filled Christmas Carol. This is week three, and we're talking about our future today. Today we continue in this same line. This is my, I've said it over and over again, my favorite Christmas movie, Christmas story is The Christmas Carol. Um, I love the fact that he depicted not only uh, any ordinary person, but the life of a Christian and how we go through that transformation period when we submit to the Holy Spirit, when we submit to God. I just love that. So let me uh, just give me some grace here and allow me to recap these last couple weeks. You know, Charles Dickens, in his preface, he wrote that he intended his story to haunt us pleasantly. He did not want his tale to mire us in guilt and helplessness, but to lift us up in a spirit of justice and joy. You see, the good news is that with God, we too have the opportunity to a transformed life like the enlightened Scrooge. And then through Christ, we can know how to keep Christmas well all through the year. The first week, we discussed the dangers that afflict us from our past. Negative comments, uh, neglect, abuse, just bad choices. Bad choices either that we made or other people made that were completely out of our control. These things that have happened in our past mar, warp, even cripple our behavior and affect our future. But God wants to take us back to these scenes and point out the error, give us the strength to forgive, heal the past wounds, and then set us free to live the life that God intended for us to live. Last week, we discussed and discovered four very important points that were made to Scrooge when he met the spirit of Christmas present. First, the spirit said, come in and know me better, man. We discovered that we can't live holy in the present if we don't spend time in the holy presence of God. The second thing is Scrooge noticed that the spirit carried a sheath but no sword. And the spirit declared, Peace on earth, goodwill towards men. We learned that there's a peace that God can give us. That in the midst of the worst situations, the worst things that you can face, you can still have a peace that passes all understanding. People won't be able to comprehend without God, why can you have peace when such and such has happened or you're going through? He said, peace on earth. Not the peace that the world gives you, but my peace passes all understanding. And goodwill towards men. Goodwill, we discovered, was not a hi, how are you, handshake, hope all is well, go on. 
I'll pray for you. It's letting our heart go to our hands and doing something. It's an action. Remember, faith without works is dead and useless. You need to do something. Show them. Meet their tangible needs. Love them in a practical way. Goodwill towards men. The third thing is that the Spirit said, if these shadows remain unaltered, we choose the shadows that form our future by our choices we make now. And we can't choose one day long ago when I was four years old or whatever, I gave my heart to the Lord. No, this is a choice that you make every day. Who am I serving today? Who do I choose today? Our choice to serve God, our choice to let him rule in our hearts, in our lives, is a choice we have to make almost minute by minute. It certainly is day by day. Because I don't know about you, but it's easy to get sucked up into this whirlwind called life. And next thing you know, you go days, you go weeks, and oh, yeah, yeah, I'm a Christian. But has God ruled in your life? That's a choice that you have to make every day. And the fourth thing that we learned last week was the description of this ignorance and want. Remember, the Spirit warned him, beware them both. Beware them both. Want is an unhealthy appetite that can never be satisfied. It's always looking for more, always waiting for that next thing. There's something better coming. It can't ever be satisfied. But he said, but ignorance beware him the most. Because it's in ignorance. Ignorance is like a mask for pride. And what pride does is it pushes the creator away and out of the created. We are all here because we are created in the image of God. And pride and ignorance says, I can do this on my own. I didn't need a creator. Beware him the most. And then we wrapped up last week on how to live a transformed life in this present day by reading 1 Peter chapter 2. And in the message version, that scripture began with verse 11 by saying, Friends, this world is not your home, so don't make yourselves cozy in it. Now that's just it, summed all up. How do we live a God-honoring life? Honor God in your life. Don't get cozy in this world. So this week we're going to unfold the mysteries surrounding the shadows that make up our future. So Kevin, if you could please play that video clip. Shadows of the things that have not happened, but will happen, as God sees them. Ghost of the future, I fear you more than any specter I've seen. But I know your purpose is to do me good. I am prepared to bear you company. You done? Have 
Life is gaining fast. It's a precious time to be lead on spirit. Coming here at this time of day? How can I say this to my love? Oh, I look at you all the time. You are indeed. Get in here. Did you tell me what you sir? You should not leave me, Peter. I was making rather merry yesterday. Now I'll tell you what, Mr. Cratchit. I'm not going to stand for this sort of thing any longer. And therefore, 
And therefore, I am about to raise your salary. <laughs> Merry Christmas to you, Bob. <laughs> Merry Christmas, Bob. My good fellow, when I've given you in many a year, I'll raise your salary and do whatever I can to help your struggling family. And we'll discuss your affairs this very afternoon over a bowl of Christmas punch. <laughs> but first, let's make up the fires. I want you to go out <laughs> and buy another kettle of coals before you dot another eye, Bob Cratchit. Off with you, Bob. We've worth saving to do. Hey, ho, Bob! Yes, yes, sir. Right away, sir. <laughs> And Scrooge was better than his word. He did all that he said he did. And more. To our tiny Tim, who got well, Scrooge was like a second father. He became as good a friend, as good a master, and as good a man as the good old city ever knew. And it was always said of him that he knew how to keep Christmas well. And so, as tiny Tim himself. God bless us, everyone! <laughs> Turn with me in your Bibles over to 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. We're going to start at verse 3, just a couple verses this morning. I'm going to read it to you out of the New International Version. It says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy he has given us new birth into a living hope, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. Let me read it to you out of the message version, that same couple verses. The message version says it this way, what a God we have, and how fortunate we are to have him. This father of our master, Jesus. Because Jesus was raised from the dead, we've been given a brand new life and have everything to live for, including a future in heaven. And the future starts now. God is keeping careful watch over us and the future. The day is coming when you'll have it all, life healed, and whole. Let me pray over it today. God, I just ask, Lord, that you help your words be spoken today and not my own. God, have your way. Lord, that we wouldn't just be hearers of your word, but let us apply your word to our life and be doers of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Man, Scrooge said some amazing things right here at the precipice of his transformation in, this, in that little scene there in the graveyard. 
As he knelt in front of the tombstone bearing his gloomy future, he asked the spirit, Are these the shadows of things that will be, or are these the shadows of things that may be? You see, Scrooge had recently discovered, after being taken through his past, his present, and now faced with his future, that he was in need of a transformation. And I love that he exclaimed here, I can change these shadows by an altered life. I know I can change. In order to experience a life transformation, it cannot be just a declaration. He, he would not have seen a transformation if he would have just declared in front of that tombstone, in front of that spirit, I will live. But he had to prove it out. He had to live it out. Had to come through his actions by an altered life. The definition of transformation means a thorough and dramatic change in form or appearance. I looked it up even deeper, and in the, on the website, the vocabulary website, it gave this definition. It said, a transformation is an extreme radical change. A simple haircut will not form a transformation. But if you dyed your hair purple, got a tattoo across your forehead, began doing things that you would normally not do, now that's another story. That there is a transformation. At the conclusion of the Christmas Carol, Bob defined Scrooge's transformation, and I think it can define our own transformation that we need. First, he said, Scrooge did all he said he would do and more. So let's just have some participation here for a minute. If, if you were to describe someone who says one thing and does another, what are some words that come to your mind right away? They say one thing, but they do another. Hypocrite. A fake person, yeah, I think of a fake Two-faced. What are some other words? Yeah, liar. Mm-hmm. Untrustworthy. Could you trust him? No. Selfish, yeah. Now, what if I was to say that same person professes to be a Christian? Didn't you just feel your heart sink? It's like it's, it's, like it's bad enough that somebody actually lives like that that they would say one thing and do another. But then when they profess to be a Christian, it's like compounded worse of the worse. What? You can't do that. But many Christians do. Many professing Christians, that's how they live. They say one thing, or they believe one thing, but they do another thing. Sometimes they even say something different. They believe one way, do one thing, and say something completely different. In 1 John chapter 2, verses 4 through 6, in the message version, it says, If someone claims, I know him well, but doesn't keep his commandments, he's obviously a liar. His life doesn't match his words. 
but the one who keeps God's word is the person in whom we see God's mature love. This is the only way to be sure we're in God. Anyone claims to be intimate with God ought to live the same kind of life Jesus did. For a real-life transformation to occur, we need to allow God to change our outside actions as Christians to match our inside professions. If we profess to be a Christian, Christ-like, little Christ, then we should be acting like him and speaking like him, loving like him, caring like him, having compassion, forgiving like him. So the first thing was Scrooge did all he said he would and more. The second is the whole city knew of his change. You see, there are no secret service saints. You can't say, well, I'll just, I'll just be quiet and somehow uh, Christ will just kind of rub off on people. I don't have to tell anybody. I, you know, I'm just going to slip in and slip out. There's no secret service saints. I was thrown right into it. See, I was raised in church. But then when I was in fourth grade, church split. Our family left the church. Of course, I went and did my own thing for quite a while. Um, came back to the Lord. Um, I think I was late 18, maybe early 19 years old. Of course, by that time, I'd done a lot of damage. In the city, where I found a non-denominational church, went to church, Gave my heart to the Lord that weekend. I mean, I don't even know if it was a weekend revival service is heaven or whatever. I can't remember that. But I remember that the pastor said, now everybody go load up in the bus. We're going to go downtown and evangelize. And I thought, it was just last night I was out partying on that street. And you want to take me out there and I'm going to tell people, hey, I'm all changed now. Because I felt the change. I knew God had come back inside of me. I knew I was committed, rededicated my life to God. But then they were throwing me out on the streets, and I think now that was the best thing for me. Because, I mean, I came right up. I'm holding these little tracks. That was back in the days of the tracks, you know. That's, that's the only way you evangelize is you hand somebody a track and tell them you need to say the sinner's prayer right now with me. And I mean, I'm walking around, I was scared to death, and sure enough, hey, Brenda, what are you doing? Where are you going? I want to tell you who I met this weekend, Jesus. Here he is. They're like, what? And I thought, oh, they're going to say something, and, you know, here's these church people, and they're going to hear, and, and, but God shielded me, protected me. I made it through. And I was even stronger than I had ever been before. And that cemented in me that there, you're right, there can't be secret service saints. And you have to profess. As a matter of fact, it says in Romans 10, 9, that if you declare with your mouth Jesus is the Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved because it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. And it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. And it was because my church pressed me into professing to all the people I was just partying with, I just gave my heart to the Lord. I just gave my heart to the Lord. I just gave my heart to the Lord over and over again. And then they're like, let's go down to the river and baptize in October in the river. And so we stood knee deep and got baptized in the river too. And I just, the whole city, 
right away. The whole city knew, and they taught. And then I remember, because I partied in Charlotte, but I was, um, we were living at that time in Nashville, Michigan, that after that weekend, I was on fire. And I thought, now next week, I'm going by myself to Nashville, and I'm going to walk down the streets. Of course, nobody was on the streets. So I walked down the streets, but I had a lady come out of the beauty shop where my mom used to hang out all the time because she made baskets in there and everything. And she came out and yelled at me, Brenda, Brenda, come here, come here. I'm like, oh, you know, it's an older lady. And I'm like, hey, how you doing? She, go, she just stood there staring at me. She's like, what is different about you? Did you? No, it's not your hair. And I said, no, I had the same hairstyle for years and years and years. She goes, there's something about you. I watched you as you walked by the window, and there's something different about you. And I thought, God, you are just going to give me opportunities everywhere I go. So then I told her, I just gave my heart to the Lord a week or two weeks before that. And, but it's our place, it's our calling that we can't selfishly just accept the forgiveness. We have to share. We have to share people. We have to confess with our mouth. The whole city needs to know. We will not lead anyone to the Lord if we are more concerned about being like them than we are about being like him. We can't lead people to the Lord if we're more concerned about being like them. Um, if you know me well, you know I love riding my motorcycle. I love getting tattoos. Um, I love hanging with people who aren't Christians yet. Um, I don't call them sinners. I think we're all sinners. Because um, I know I need forgiveness every day, but there's... Christians and soon-to-be Christians. And I love hanging out with um, soon-to-be Christians, but you can ask any one of them. I'm the same person. I am who I am everywhere I am. I don't bend my, my beliefs. I don't um, sway in my morals. I, you know, what I profess, I profess, I profess. I don't look to offend anyone, but I don't work so hard to fit in with them that they can't see him and me. And that's him, God. Because if we're, if we're so concerned about looking like them, I said this a little bit yes, or last week, um, if we're so concerned about being like them and looking like them, those not-yet-Christians, they're going to wonder, why are you any different than us? So if we can just, God was, Jesus was with them. Emmanuel means that God is with us. You notice Jesus over and over again, he went to sinners' houses. He ate with the sinners and the tax collectors, the Bible said. He was with them, but he was still Jesus. He didn't say, okay, well, I'll take off my Jesus hat and I'll be, you know, I'll let down my hair. No, he was Jesus wherever he was, and that's what God's calling us to do. Um, be who you are everywhere you are. I had the privilege of sitting with the Oberlins. Um, Sherry had her surgery on her back. Well, I don't even remember what day that was. Thursday, I think it was. Um, went in there at 1030 down here at the hospital, and... It was supposed to be a quick surgery in and out. I told Cassie and the rest of the family, I said, I might be a couple hours. 
um, sat with Maynard and Sherry. They pulled me right into the room with them. And, of course, we prayed for Sherry and sat there. And then her son, um, Gordon, came in. I introduced my, of course, she entered, that's our pastor. And he just gave me that look. He didn't say much. And as I sat in there and he's standing over my shoulder, he wouldn't make eye contact with me. And one time he looked down at me. He goes, how old are you? I said, well, I hope I'm older than I look. He goes, well, you're not any older than I am. And I told him how old I was. I'm not going to repeat it. And he goes, yeah, I knew you weren't older than I was and just went right back to looking at his phone again. And I thought, hmm, okay, well. And so I kept talking to Sherry and Maynard. And um, what was only supposed to be a couple hours, I was there till 3.30. I stayed the whole day with them. It took a lot longer than we thought. But... As we were talking, Maynard and Sherry and I was talking, her son would um, chime in every once in a while. What? You ride a motorcycle? He goes, I ride a motorcycle too. And then he wants to, every motorcycle rider wants to show you a picture of their motorcycle. So he had motorcycle pictures he wanted to show me. And so I showed him my motorcycle picture. And then we're talking and blah, blah, blah. And I don't even know how we talked about tattoos, but he's like, you have a tattoo? And you're a pastor? like yeah he goes mom I think I like her she's like yeah we like her too and we got talking for a while and all, all of a sudden now he is engaged in the conversation talking to me and what do you do and what do you and he goes and you know I could he goes I really love your pastor my, my this is a good this is a good pastor thinking yeah because you feel like you belong and that's what I was saying earlier you make somebody feel like they belong you take them to Christ. You see, there's a difference between if I would have just went and, you know, let down my hair and started cussing and swearing, and he would have thought, how's she any different than me? But when we tell them our life story, open them up, let them in, let them feel like they belong with you, then they're open to what I've... Before I left, he wanted my business card. He wants to know, hey, um, if you do that blessing in the bike you talked about, I want to bring my friends up. He just lives in cold water. I can bring a whole bunch of my friends up who ride bikes, and we'll do that. You know, that's letting people know. Let me ask you something. Outside of going to church once a week, how would the city know that you're a Christian? can't say I go to church outside of going to church mm -hmm. yeah and you got to say it you got to not just say I go to church anybody can go to church I mean how long ago have you heard that old saying just because you know, stand in the garage don't make you a car you know, just because you attend a church doesn't make you a Christian. So don't say, I go to church. Don't let that be your profession. Tell them. You know, I showed him, oh, that's what it was. He saw something on the back of my neck, and I said, well, that's my tattoo. Well, my tattoo I got recently, what was it, year, year two years ago, oh, my goodness. It um, gives a date. 
when I was working down at the Broadway Grill, the cooks, uh, second day in, they're like, hey, psst, come here, come here. What's that date on the back of your neck? What does that mean? I got to tell them. That was the date I gave my heart and my life to Jesus Christ. He is now the Lord and Savior of my life. Every day I dedicate to him because he died for me. You know, it's a conversation right there. I didn't say, oh, that's the day I started going to church. Tell the whole world why, how, what. Let the whole city know of your transformation. But it has to come out of your mouth. It needs to be proved by your actions. But it's also got to come out of your mouth. The third thing is, Scrooge continued to keep Christmas well through all his years. This phrase, he continued, means that he continued. He continued. He kept being that transformed man. He wasn't a Christian on Sunday, a businessman Monday through Friday, and then whatever he wanted to on Saturday. We won't talk about it again because Sunday gets to come and I'll go to church, forget about Saturday, and then I'll go Monday through Friday again and do what I want on Saturday. He continued to be that same transformed man. Again, I said this last week. You need to have a definitive difference between the life you had before you met Jesus and the life you lived after you committed your life to Jesus. If there's no difference, if you continue to live your life, you're supposed to be professed Christian life now, running back over the bloodline of Christ and pulling up things that you used to do in your past and bringing them into your new life, you might as well just stay back over there. There's no difference. There must be a definitive difference in the life that you live now that you confess you are a Christian, a little Christ. In 2 Peter chapter 1, let me just read this to you, or write it down, read it later. In verses 3, starting at verse 3, it says, His divine power has given us everything we need to live a godly life. He's given us everything we need to live a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control, to self-control, perseverance, there's that continued, continued, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, mutual affection, and to mutual affection, love. Now listen. Verse 8 says, For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, you can't say, I got that, that one's done. I don't have to worry about that patience thing anymore. Increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, Make every effort to confirm your calling and election. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. And you will receive 
as your future a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Listen, this is not a call to try and do a holy life. He said, I have given, God has given us everything we need to live a godly life. He has given it to us. We need to allow God the freedom to live holy, W-H-O-L-L-Y, holy in us. And then he brings the holy, H-O-L-Y, in and through us. If he lives holy, completely, fully in your life, remember, what was that word we learned a couple weeks ago? What was that word that we learned? I said, there's too many Christians that profess Jesus Christ as their king, God as their king, but they don't give him any authority. Wasn't it titch, titch, titchra? Titchler king. Thank you. Titchler king. When you give somebody the name of a king, but you don't give them the authority of a king, you need to allow God to live holy, W-H-O-L-L-Y, fully, completely, as king in your life. Then he brings the holy in your life and through your life. It's nothing you have to do except to keep your focus on God. God, I esteem you. You are king. Have your way in my life. So remember, a constant decision. So like Scrooge, we need to come face-to-face with the future we are creating for ourselves. Remember, our choices define and determine our future. 2 Corinthians 5.10 says we must all stand before Christ to be judged. We will each receive whatever we deserve for the good or the evil that we have done in this earthly body. We will all stand before our future and give an account of our choices and the things that we've done in this life. And that will determine where we spend eternity. Let me ask you, if God was to snatch you up right now, place you right in front of your tombstone, ask you to give an account of your life, are there things that start coming to your mind that, man, I wish I would have, I need to have, boy, if I would have only... Those are the things you need to change now. My whole Christian life, I live with one main theme in my head and in my heart. I want to live my life with no regrets. No regrets. I don't want to stand before my maker, my creator, my savior, and have a regret that I wish I would have done this or I wish I wouldn't have done this. Do I mess up? Yeah, daily. But I get on my knees constantly. Oh, God, forgive me. Sometimes every minute. Oh, God, forgive me. Forgive me. Or give me the strength to, because we've all done it. We felt God pull our hearts, tug on our hearts to go talk to so-and-so or go give so-and-so something, and you're thinking, oh, I'm late for this, I'm late for that, or I got to go, or maybe that's somebody else. I must have picked up a transmission from somebody in this general area, and I'll just step away and let God, you speak to them to go do that thing because I know you wasn't asking me to do that thing. I don't want to live with any regrets. So if there's something that you're thinking right now, boy, if, if I was to be standing before God and have to give an account right now, 
I need to change this or change that. Today's your day for transformation. Let it be today. Let's change it today. And it's as simple as not something that you, if you try to do it, it won't stick. If you try to do it on your own, oh, okay, well, I'm going to do this, and I, I won't do this anymore. It won't stick. You have to allow God to come in. He can do this life transformation. God wants us to experience, we need to experience a life transformation for our entire life, from our past, from our present, and from our future. Author Ravi Zacharias said, when you find your definitions in God, you find the very purpose for which you were created. Put your hand into God's hand, know his absolutes, demonstrate his love, present his truth, and the message of redemption and transformation will take hold. You see, it's God that does the work. Allow him to do this in you and through you. Well, today is communion, and at the close now of the service, communion is a time that we set aside to remember the sacrifice Jesus made by dying on the cross for our sins, taking our punishment, reconciling us to God. Plus, it's a time to look forward, and it's just so appropriate that today's the day that we're going to take communion because we're looking forward also to our future, what our future holds. And as Christians, we call it our blessed hope, a future with God in heaven for eternity. What I want us to do is to spend some time alone with God this morning. We're not going to take communion together like we normally do, but I want us to take communion alone so we can spend some time alone. I want you to set for a few minutes before you get up and, and serve yourself. I want you to search your heart. Ask God to search your heart and point out things that need to change. Ask for forgiveness where you need to ask for forgiveness and allow God to pour his spirit in you. He will give you everything you need. He will give you that peace that passes all understanding. He will give you his love, his compassion, his mercy. He will do all this in you to be able to live this God-honoring, transformed life. And then when you're ready, I want you to get up. I want you to serve yourself um, and go back to your seat or stand up wherever, kneel at the altar, whatever you want to do. And take communion for yourself. I want it to be a recommitment or a commitment. Maybe it's your first time to make a commitment today. Today's the day. It's marked it. Today's my day of transformation. I recommit or I commit today, God, to you. My whole heart, all my heart, mind, soul, and strength are yours. And not just in the declaration. Remember, it has to be proved out in your actions. Let the whole world see. Let the city know all the days. So I picked out a song. Um, Kevin's going to play this song. So while the song plays, please find, find time to um, just get alone with God. Let him search your heart and then serve yourself communion. And then I'll come back up and close in prayer. Go ahead, Kevin, play that song.
God, we just thank you. Lord, that you are the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. You are everything we need. You are almighty. You are the king of our past, our present, and our future. God, let transformations take place today. Let healings of past hurts and wounds come quickly. Come quickly. Let peace reign over our hearts today. Let us profess not just in words but in our actions. that would give you glory, that you would be pleased in what we do and what we say, God. And it's not something that we have to do on our own. You give us the Holy Spirit, the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead, lives, dwells in us. And it's by your power, by your Spirit, not by our own works, anything we can do on our own, but Lord, we just surrender to you. Live wholly through us, in us, and through us, Lord. Have your way. God, I specifically pray for tonight's service, that you would not only open the doors and bring us back but lord that these doors would be open and that new family new friends new people would come in lord people that have never even sat in a service before and feel welcome and feel like they're home and they belong because you are here you love you care and god help us be tools in your hands of your love and your compassion and mercy. God, that transformations will take place tonight too. God, that your love would just, just overflow in this place tonight. Let this church light up with your love and be contagious in your love. Lord, that we wouldn't just leave this place, but this place would leave with us. Your presence would leave with us. Your fragrance will leave with us. That wherever we go, we'll pro proclaim you as King, Lord, and Savior. In Jesus' name, God. Have your way. We thank you for today. And just as a quick reminder before you go remember tonight 6 p.m bring family bring friends and bring some christmas treats and so in closing as tiny tim would say god bless us everyone have a good afternoon <laughs>